So we're going to pick back up tonight. Uh, as most of you know, you've, you know, we've been going through this class for several weeks now in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you want to go ahead and turn to that in your Bibles, uh, we're going to try to wrap up chapter 3 tonight and see how far we can get in chapter 4 tonight. Um, of course, we're going through the book uh, that Solomon wrote, and uh, thankfully he has recorded for us all the things that you can think of, pretty much, that you can do on this earth, under the sun, separate from Christ, anything that you can imagine, anything that you would want, no matter the cost or the price or anything, uh, we have Solomon here that's, I guess you could say, been there, done that. He's already done it for us, and luckily we have his recording here, and we can read through here and just see how all that plays out. Uh, for him. So if you remember chapter 1, as we all know, Solomon, how wise he was, you know, the wisest man that ever lived. And at that time, obviously, uh, the richest man that ever lived. So chapter 1, we went into how he tried to find pleasure or happiness on this earth or fulfillment on this earth under the sun, apart or separate from Christ. So in chapter 1, you know, he tries wisdom, and what did that bring? What was his conclusion on that? Just wasn't there. Just wasn't there. It was just all vanity, like grasping for the wind. It's just nothing to it. Then in chapter 2, we keep going. We get into where, well, he tries the pleasures, you know. I'm the richest man on the face of the earth, and I've got everybody working for me, and if I want it, I'm going to do it. And he did it. He, he, you know, he, he drank, he partied, he, he, you know, if you can imagine in these days and times doing it and having a good time, he did it. But then again, what did he find out? Still nothing. Still a void there. Still all vanity. So then he turns to, if you remember, well, you know, let's get, you know, constructive a little bit. Let's build some things. Let's be productive. Let's have some substance. So he built these great buildings and orchards and gardens were, you know, created and pools and you name it, and he had it built, right? Still, in the end, same conclusion as before. There's just nothing to it. It's all for nothing. Still, in the end, aside from Christ, anything he could do under the sun was still missing something, still missing something. And we know what that is, obviously. So we started uh, wrapping up chapter 3 last week. Uh, we talked about how there's a time for every purpose. You know, we went through that, I, I would think, pretty, pretty good, so we won't really get into that tonight, but the first eight verses of that, you know, where it's a time to this and a time for that, where there was a good, you know, there was a negative side to it, but there's a season for everything. And we really went into that in detail last week. Well, you know, it ain't, it ain't our time, it's God's time. And there's a season for everything, whether it's good or bad. It's just a matter of when they're going to happen. It's not if they're going to happen, right? They're going to happen. It's just when they're going to happen. And we're going to see it. Each one of us are going to see these things in our lifetime, in our generation. You're going to see these things, okay? Obviously, that's the way it was in Solomon's time, and that's the way it's been ever since. And I'm pretty sure when this generation is gone, it's going to be the same for the next and the next and the next. Um, you know, to the end, end of time. 
So we talked a little bit about that, um, about time in general, what the preacher knows. Uh, he, he finally, you know, we read where, and we talked about this, how everything that's done on this earth, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, if you don't believe in God or you do believe in God, you look around, God is at work everywhere. Whether you're admitted or not, call it what you want. Everything that the non-Christians enjoy in life, the food, the money, the whatever they have, where did it come from? You know, same place we get our things. Whether they admit it or not, all, all things come from God. He, he provides all these things uh, for us, whether you're of the world or, or a Christian. Um, and I'm trying to see exactly how far down we got last week. I'm going to kind of guess, I think we kind of got around verse 16 and 17. Um, and we'll touch real lightly on that because we may have got just a little bit further than that. But it, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. Moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. So there again, he's going in, talking about how there's a time and there's a purpose for everything, whether it be of good or whether it's uh, righteous or if it's wicked. You know, there's a time for everything and there's a purpose for everything. And that's kind of hard to understand, for us to understand sometimes is, you know, how, you know, would y'all agree that sometimes bad things happen for a reason? Absolutely. Absolutely. So bad things are going to happen. I don't think any of us would deny that. And every time they do happen, we can't point fingers and blame and, oh, why me? And God, why are you doing? You know, we know they're going to happen. You know, it's, but the big thing is how do you react when these things happen? You know, and I, everybody here tonight, I'm sure, could tell their story, and I've heard mine a hundred times, but, you know, there's been times in my life in the past, and the one that I always think of is when my dad got sick. You know, he had cancer and died. To me, that was horrible, you know, devastating. But because of that, I met Cheryl. We got married and had two kids, and now they're Christians, and Cheryl's a Christian. And so you kind of see how, yeah, that was a bad and terrible thing, but we went on, and good things happened because of it. I don't, I don't know. I may have met Cheryl had my dad not got sick, but I know for a fact I met her because he got sick, because some of the decisions I made at that time put me right in front of her. You know, she, I guess I can tell you she was my boss, and she's still my boss, but she was my boss. I worked for her. She signed my paycheck. She still signs my paycheck. Uh, but anyhow, a bad thing happened, but great things came from it, okay? So we know good things are going to happen, and we know bad things are going to happen in life. It's just a matter of how we look at it and how we react to it. He says in verse 17, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous uh, and the wicked. So I, I think you can look in this verse at, you know, at this point in time, and you can see where Solomon um, is almost saying you know, that, Okay, maybe there is an afterlife. Maybe there is something to this beyond what's here on this earth, you know. Maybe there is more to it than, than you know, what I'm seeing here. 
Um, because for every purpose and for every work, you know, God is going to judge the deeds of man, you know, whether it's good or bad. Okay, well, let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to read verses 18, 18 through 21. Uh, this is pretty interesting to me where it talks a little bit about animals and humans and under the sun. So uh, 18 through 21. I said in my heart concerning the condition of sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them and what, as one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and all return to dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men, which goes upward, and the spirit of the animal, which goes down to the earth? So he says concerning the, con- concerning the conditions of sons of men, uh, they themselves are like animals. So obviously Solomon here is comparing men, in a sense, to animals, right? I mean, it's pretty plain and black and white that he's kind of comparing the, the two um, and you can, I, you know, you can follow along with that for a little bit. You know, both animals and men are made from dust, right? They both breathe. We run around this earth. Some humans even act like animals, you know, to a certain extent. There's a lot of characteristics that are, you know, that are the same. Um, so on that, you know, on that basis alone, you can see that there is little difference in life, I guess you could say, or the destiny between humans and animals if you're just looking at it purely from an under-the-sun perspective. And then he mentions, as one dies, so dies the other. Um, And then this goes back to, again, like the animals. Like, if a man dies, if a man dies and lays down, if a dog dies and lays down, what's going to happen, pretty much? Decompose. Same thing, right? I mean, pretty much the same cycle is going to happen. Yep, their body is going to decay, and it's going to return back to dust. The dog, just like the man, the decomposed, you know, it's, it's going to be the same. That we, you know, we breathe just like animals. And if you look at it from under the sun, again, perspective, really there's no advantage of humans over animals. If that's all there is to it, you're dead, you're dead. You fall down to the earth and you decompose just like the animals. Again, it's all vanity. You know, there's nothing to it. All right, and then verse 21, he says, Who knows the spirit? of the sons of men which goes upward in the spirit of the animal which goes down to the earth. Okay, and, and here I guess you could say we do see a little sense where the preacher uh, does hope that there's a little different destiny between people and animals, right? He's hoping just by what he's saying that there's got to be a little bit different, you know, destination surely from an animal versus a human because it does mention, you know, the men... Uh, go upward in the spirit of the animal, which goes down to the earth. Um, yet, in his under-the-sun thinking, uh, there's no real reason to believe it, though, right? I mean, if that's, again, if it goes... Exactly. So, flesh is flesh, and that's the end of it. Um, but, thankfully, unlike Solomon, we're sitting here tonight as Christians on the other side of the cross, the other side of the tomb, however you want to put it, we know, right? I mean, we know exactly uh, where we're going we're to end up. 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know where our, you know, when our fleshly life is over on this earth, um, if you're a Christian, well, <laughs> period, that's just the beginning. You know, good or bad, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, that's just the beginning. Um, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if somebody wants to turn there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Okay? Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yeah, and I agree because just the fact, I'm, you almost feel like there's like some frustration because over and over and over and over, vanity of vanities, vanity, grasping for wind. Van, I mean, how many times have we heard that already? It's just like, oh, you know, I tried this, and again, you know, throw my hands up. Sure. I agree, and that's why I love this book. But why in the world, Grady, can't we read this and learn from it generation after generation? Why do people still think today we've got to do these same things, looking for the same thing Solomon was looking for, and we ain't going to find it, just like he did? So, no, I love the book. Thank you. Jeff? Yeah, we've talked about that in the past, haven't we? Sometimes we, like, whoa, I don't want to know all that. And the thing is, wait till we get in chapter 4, to your point, to Tony's point, it's really fixing to go to the next level, too, the way he describes some things for us. Yes? True, sure, yep, I agree. It's how you choose to to use your wisdom or your knowledge. Yep, you can definitely use it for bad. We see that every day, you know. Good point. Just because you're smarter and you know more, that don't mean you're going to be happier and better off, does it? When I was in the field working as a technician, I loved it. I was free. I did my thing. I did the best at it. I was good at it. But I know so many field technicians that think, Man, I, you know, I, I, you just want to keep growing and going to the next level and next level and next level. And then guess what? When you get there, me and the guy at work, they were like, man, what we wouldn't do to go back out in the field. Man, them are the good times. You know, get off 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock. My area's clean. I'm going home. Life's good. That was a good time. And surely, man, I mean, we, we loved it. But then that's like we've talking about. Inside just thinks, hey, I want more, I want more, I want that position, I want that money, money, title. And then you get it, and then you're like, man, just put me back down where, you know, I take care of myself and do my thing and I'm happy, you know. So it, it happens. But just like reading here tonight, it came at a cost. It all comes at a cost, you know. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up chapter 3 here. Um, verse 22. So I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? All right, so this is kind of wrapping up here. He says, so I perceived. He's pretty much saying, so, okay, I come to understand. I came to realize. Okay, I get it. This is what, you know, this is how I see it. You know, this is, I realize now what's going on. Um. If, if I look at things under the sun and strictly under the sun, you know, I perceive or I realize that you might as well just rejoice. And, and we've heard this verse before, just rejoice and do what I want to in my own works here on this earth because that's all there is to it. Uh, this is your heritage. This is your reward, whatever you want to call it. Just go eat, drink, and be merry, right? We've heard that before. For who can him to see what will happen after him? And his, un, his under-the-sun thinking, Solomon has 
an answer for the question, what will happen after him? And that's what it talks about in that last part of the verse. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Um, the answer is nothing. Uh, because under the sun thinking, death ends it all. Uh, there's no more life or meaning of life, just like an animal or just like a human, you know, if that's all there is to it. So thankfully that's not all there is to it. Anybody want to add anything to or comment as we finish up chapter 3? Yeah, but being content with what you have, I agree. And that's tough sometimes, right? I agree. And time's all we have. And time's short if you ain't figured that out. I mean, if you ain't figured that out by now, you will soon. I'm figuring it out every day. I ain't near as young as I used to be. <laughs> time is all we have, and it's, it, it runs by pretty quick. Good comments. Thank you. Let's jump in Chapter 4, see if we can get into here just a little bit. Uh, this is going to bring a lot of stuff out that, you know, we've talked about that you guys have kind of expanded on a little bit already, but this is really going to take it home on a, on a few areas um, in Chapter 4 here. So I'm going to read uh, verse 1 here. Then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. Um, so what is oppression? Real quick before we get too far. I've got like un, uh, unjust treatment or cruelty or call it what you want it, but just, you know, unjust treatment or unjust control or whatever you want to call it. Then I returned and considered all the oppression or all the unjustness that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors, okay, this is the people that are oppressing the people, that are giving them a hard time. Um, there's power, obviously, but they have no comforter, okay? So it's kind of like on both spectrums. You got, the, you got the guy oppressing and you got the people being oppressed. You know, one's got power, one, one don't, but neither one of them has a comforter, you know, in, in either direction. He said, I returned and considered all the oppression that is done uh, under the sun. Um, so it's, it's kind of playing off or kind of obviously a continuation of chapter 3, um, talking about the problem of injustice. Um, and he considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And I've got a few things I want to quickly just mention um, all through the Old Testament, okay, there's oppression or there's difficult or prolonged cruelty or unjust treatment, I guess you could say. Uh, there's oppression or unfair treatment uh, of the people by kings. I mean, we, we read all about that. Servants by their masters. Rich, uh, poor by the rich. And then you got poor by high officials, you know, taking advantage or treating them unfair. You even have poor... Uh, treating other poor people unjustly. Okay, go figure that. Then you have oppression of the fatherless, the widows, oppression of charging too much interest or too high of interest. And then, of course, uh, even stuff like false weights and measures or whatever. So all through the Old Testament, there's talking about people being taken advantage of, uh, treated unjust, treated unfairly, uh, however you want to uh, look at it. But he says the tears of the oppressed, okay, the tears of the oppressed, the ones that are really getting taken advantage of or not treated just right, they have no comforter. So here we have Solomon really stepping back now, looking at things 
I guess you could say at a different level or a different angle or whatever. Now he's looking at people, you know, that have obviously uh, been mistreated, and then he's thinking about their tear-filled lives uh, that they're living under this under the sun. Um, and the tears of the oppressed are especially bitter, and they have no comforter. Okay, so he's saying, hey, they, they're doing all this work, and they're getting treated like this, but at the end of the day, they, they, there's no comfort there, right? I mean, a lot of us like to see the light at the end of the tunnel, right, or like to see progress or some, some kind of reward or, or something for the things that we do, but do they have any hope according to Solomon? There's no hope. There's none there. So he's starting to see that and just how terrible that is, you know, that you have people being treated like that, you know, even the ones that are treating the folks that bad, how they, you know, there's just no comfort in that. And in the end, there's, there's nothing, no real reward for them. Verses 2 and 3 says, Therefore I praise the dead who are already dead more than the living who are still alive. Yet better than both is he who has never existed. This is where it's getting into what I think we were talking about earlier. It's getting pretty, it's even getting darker, Jeff. More than the living who are still alive, yet better than both is he who has never existed, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. So it says, therefore, I praise the dead who are already dead. And then I, I just mentioned that, how he's talking about the oppressors and the victims. There's really no justice, you know, there's really no eternity or anything to really hope to look for just that you die you know there's nothing in the end but in the under the sun world um all there is is really pain and hard work but then he keeps on going this is where i you know i was kind of interested and you know share your thoughts on this too um and he says solomon could only praise the dead this way because at his time he had no certain knowledge of the world to come obviously um so everything was written under the sun. Um, and then I got a quote here where it says, Men like silly fish, I thought this was pretty cool. Men like silly fish see one another caught and jerked out of the pond of life, but they see not the fire and the pan into which they are cast that die in their sins. I thought that was pretty cool when I saw that. Sure. Yeah, praise me and lift me up while I'm alive to my face. Don't wait until I'm dead and say things about me. That's a good point. Jeff, and then, well, and a couple of things I had here, too, in front of me. It says the dead who are already dead. I mean, could this possibly even be, you know, you've heard Jim say it many times. you got dead men walking. I mean, there's dead men already walking around that, you know, whether their body is in the ground or they're walking around, you know, they're already dead. And, you know, could that be what he's you know, applying to here, you know, they're the living dead, um, they're walking this earth, and they have, you know, biological uh, life, I guess you could say, but their spirit and their soul, you know, is, is dead, so, yeah, and that's true, I mean, that's your mindset, and you're thinking, hey, if this is all there is to it, there's nothing after this, man, I've had my share, you know, and I think people get that frame of mind, and I was going to make mention better uh, but Mike pretty much said exactly what I have right here in front of me, where it says, better than both is he who never existed, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. I mean, that's pretty pretty cut and dry and to the point. You know, he's, when he's saying you better off not even existed, then to have to go through the things that they, we just talked about in these previous verses, 
you know, you're better off. You're just never even born. Um, and one thing I wanted to point out here, Jesus himself, let's turn to Matthew's cha- Matthew chapter 26 real quick. Jesus himself said uh, there was one man who had been better off he had never been born. Do you all remember that in the New Testament? Yeah, Ma- I'm sorry if I didn't say the verse. 26, 24. Matthew 26, 24. So there you go. Pretty much says the same thing, doesn't it, that Solomon said here in Ecclesiastes. All right, I'm going to read a couple more verses real quick. Verses 4 through 6. Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, a man is envied is envied by his neighbor. Uh, this is also vanity and grasping for the wind. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Better a handful with, quietne- with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Uh, so, I, you know, you can... Look here and see if the fool holds his hands and consumes his own flesh. You know, you could almost relate that to a lazy man, right? To a man that's just lazy and does nothing. He's going to put his hands together and what's going to happen to him? And he's just he's going to die, right? I mean, he, he's, he's just going to, going to go away. So it's better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and gr- grasping for the wind. So that's almost like both hands full, but you still want more. You know, and you're still just hustling and just trying, oh, I'm, I'm not content, to your point. I'm not content. I want more. I want more. So, you know, he's saying here you're, you're better off just with one handful and being quiet and content than two handfuls and thinking you always got to have more and more. Uh, and then again, he says, like vanity and grasping for the wind. Is that the same for today? Is that, do we deal with these same things today, you know? We do. What verse was that again, uh, Smitty? Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. All right, I guess we're going to go ahead and stop there. Yeah, we're over time. We'll, we'll stop there before we finish up on them verses and get into the verses 7 and 8 there. Thank you all. Appreciate it.